0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Whether it's with someone close to you, or someone you just met, sharing your faith can be difficult, but our God knows the challenge, and His Word contains wisdom for how to meet that challenge. In our current series, Living an Intentional Life, we're learning about the five eyes of evangelism. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. These five steps will help you to build a biblical strategy for bringing the gospel to others and watching for God to multiply your efforts. We're glad you're listening. And we hope this series will renew your commitment to spread the good news. Now let's listen in.
1: Uh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome everybody here to our Franklin campus. Welcome on our online campus. So glad we could join together and worship our great God and so grateful for worship, so grateful for our time this morning. Today we come to the culmination of a great series. We've been in this series called Living an Intentional Life. And we've been talking about that. How do we live intentionally today, right? Because there's so many distractions that were against us. There's so much noise in our world today. And it just seems like it's always coming at us. You know, we've got social media and you can spend so much time scrolling and we got all these activities and the busyness of our calendar and of our schedule. But we want to be intentional. Right? We want to make a difference. And we have a limited amount of time and a limited amount of resources and energy, but we want to invest those in a place that God's going to use for His glory and really fulfill the calling that God's placed on every one of our lives. And so we've said there's a difference between activity and accomplishment. We can be doing a lot of activity, we can be really busy, but are we accomplishing God's purpose? You know, I love it, it says in the Bible about David David accomplished God's purpose in his day and generation. And that's my prayer for all of us, right? That at the end of life, man, people can say, yeah, they accomplished the purpose that God had for them. And we will hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant, great job. That's what we long for. And man, it's such a challenge in our world today, but for us to live an intentional life. Now, we've said there's really five eyes in living an intentional life. Number one, right, the first I identify. What is my call? What is my purpose? Why does God have me here? in the family I'm in, in the place I'm in. Why was I born at this time in history? And how can God use me in the relationships and the people around me? Identify that call, that purpose on your life. Second, begin to invest. Begin to invest. There's only three things that are eternal. God, God's word, and people. And so are we investing our time and our energy and resources in those things? Are we investing in the things that are gonna last, the things that are gonna matter? Number three, the third I in living an intentional life is to intercede. Begin to Pray. God, use me. God, here I am. You know, I don't have all the answers, but God, if you wanna use me, use me. God, I pray for the people around me. I pray for my kids. I pray in my marriage. I pray for my friends. I pray for my roommates. And just begin to pray. And as you intercede for others, God's gonna open doors for conversations. God's gonna use you in ways you never dreamed or imagined to encourage somebody, to help somebody, to build somebody up. And then last week, we talked about inform, this fourth eye to inform. And that means we speak about spiritual things. A lot of times we'll talk to people about our, whatever Netflix show is on, our Netflix series, our sports team, or all these things, but us to begin to have spiritual conversations. We gave out the good news booklet last week, and and I love that. You know, God's good news, and to take that and to look through it and say, hey, I want to be able to share. I want to be able to talk about spiritual matters as well. And then today we're talking about invite, invite. That's our fifth eye. Guys, listen, we get one shot at life. Right, we get one shot, we get one opportunity. There's not a rerun, right, after, this is it. And so for us to say, I wanna make the most of it, I don't wanna just drift along with whatever culture says, whatever the crowd says, wherever everybody goes, I wanna be intentional with my life. And when we do that, man, God is glorified and lives are changed around us, and especially our home. So if you have a Bible day, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter nine, Matthew Chapter 9. So, New Testament, first book, New Testament. If you need a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app, pull up the scriptures there. But I want you to see this. So, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is teaching, Jesus is healing, Jesus is with people, he's pouring into people, Jesus loves people, he's there, he's done all these incredible miracles. And then he pulls his disciples together and in Matthew chapter 9, if you pick up in verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, right? And so all the towns along the Galilee, they have these these synagogues places for worship for the Jews, the Beit Knesset, you know, in the Hebrew where they would come and they would gather, they would worship. And so Jesus goes in there and he proclaims the good news, the good news of the kingdom. He's telling people, hey, listen, there's spiritual matters and there's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares about you and he's healing every disease and sickness In verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Man, I think that's big. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. People are flocking to Jesus. People wanna hear from Jesus. People wanna be around Jesus. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, okay, so he pulls all of his disciples together. You think about this, we are disciples of Jesus, right? If you're a follower of Christ, So he pulls us together, he pulls everybody in, seeing the crowds, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out people who get it, to send out people who will live it, to send out people who will make a difference for the glory of God. And this is our call, and this is our opportunity as disciples today. Hey, if you're taking notes, here's some things I'd love for you to write down, because this is so powerful right here. You know, if you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app, and there's a place to fill in some blanks. But as we talk about living this intentional life, here's some things I want us to see. First of all, I want us to see this. Jesus has compassion for people. A lot of times people think Jesus is mad at them, right? Right? Or Jesus is condemning them. Or Jesus is like, you know, is judging. You're going, whoa, 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 time out. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. I mean, look at Jesus in the Bible. He had compassion for people. He loved people, right? It it says this, that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now, when you see crowds, do you have compassion? (laughs) I mean, a lot of times you see crowds, are like, oh, great. This is gonna take forever, right? When you're in traffic, do you have compassion? No, <laughs> we're like, get out of my way. Oh, no, come on. I mean, right? But Jesus, here's the thing about Jesus. He was never in a hurry. He, he, he wasn't. And yet he accomplished more in 33 years than any of us ever will, right? <laughs> well, right? Yeah, he's truly the son of God. But but Jesus, I mean, he saw people and he cared about them. He had compassion on them. Running into the holiday season, right? the mall, Cool Springs traffic, I mean, everything in Spring Hill, I mean, it's just gonna be nuts. And for us to say, wait a minute, hold on, let me get my mindset right now, okay? (laughs) Let me be compassionate and not always in a hurry, not thinking people are in my way. See, as Christ followers, we're called to love people. We're called to love people. And sometimes we can get on social media, right? And we can be like, oh, what are they thinking, right? And we get judgmental. Sometimes people don't believe the way we believe If people don't talk the way we talk, you know, then all of a sudden we're judging or we're condemning. We're going, hold on, time out. That's not Jesus. Now, we stand up for what we believe in. We speak truth, but we do so in love. Last week, we looked at the Shema, right? That Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Jesus said it's the first and the greatest commandment. But then he said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so you and I, we're called to this life of love. And there's gonna be people who hurt us, there's gonna be people who let us down, there's people who are gonna say things to us, and we're gonna be like, hold on, how am I gonna respond here? Could I respond like Jesus? Could I love? We cannot expect unbelievers to act like believers. We do, right? Like, what's wrong with you? Come on, don't you know how you're supposed to live? Don't you know? Hold on, if they don't know Jesus, where's the hope? If they don't know Jesus, they're gonna live for themselves. And so we have to understand that. And we have to be aware of that. See, we're in a spiritual battle. When Jesus saw the crowd, what did it say? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the crowd, he realized, well, there's a spiritual battle. And yet God cares for it. And and we forget that sometimes. Right? We forget that we're in this spiritual battle, that there's good versus evil, that we've got an enemy that wars against us. And even in our marriage (laughs) sometimes. We can forget that we start to have a little argument. And we can escalate it, escalate it. I'm going to be right. I'm going to be right. And then we go, hold on, time out, time out, time out. Satan's trying to get a foothold here in my marriage. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm going to pray for my spouse. Yeah, with our kids. I, I'm going to get angry. and we go, Hold on. Satan's trying to get a foothold in my marriage. Satan's trying to get a foothold with my roommates. Satan's trying to get a foothold here. I, my mind or in my heart, there is a spiritual battle going on. And for you and I to live an intentional life, we bring Christ Jesus into every situation. We develop the mind of Christ. We begin to walk and love and serve and give like Jesus. People need Jesus. People need the Lord. We get caught up in life. We get caught up in things that are trivial that we miss out on Jesus You know, it's college football season. I don't know if you guys know that, uh, but it's kind of happening out there, right? (laughs) And Tennessee's on a roll. Vandy actually won. Unbelievable. So, SEC game, big deal. I mean, like, you know, so lots of things happening out there in football land. But I was watching just a clip of the Auburn interim coach, Cadillac Williams. So, last week, Auburn played Mississippi State. Auburn lost at the end. Mississippi State was winning, but, you know, Auburn came back. But their coach, Cadillac Williams, used to be a running back for Auburn, but he was given a press conference, and if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's pretty awesome. And here he is, and he's talking, he says, yeah, it was a hard-fought battle day, you know, we we talked to our guys about serving, and and, and, and man, they gave their best today. And then he said this, "But, but you know, last night we had chapel, and eight young men gave their lives to Christ. Eight young men on the team gave our lives to Christ. And he goes, you know what, we lost today, but man, there's a bigger thing happening right here, you know, and I just want people to know that. I was like, you go, man. I mean, like, I was fired up. I was like, this is awesome. And he wanted to win, right? I mean, he's running up and down the sidelines. He's giving his best, but he realized there was a bigger picture at play. And sometimes for us, you know, we can kind of forget that. We're just looking at wins and losses. We're looking about how much money we have or all these. Hold on. There is a bigger picture at play. There is a God of the universe who's drawing people to himself and inviting us to be a part of that. And for us not to miss that, for us to experience all God has for us. Wow. All right, look at this one. I'm getting fired up today, okay? (laughs) This is good. I mean, come on, church, let's go. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but... Here's the but, the workers are few. Isn't that interesting? He said, the harvest is plentiful out there, but but the workers are few. See, Christianity is growing around the world. I don't know what you hear, you know, what the news says, the kind of news, you're alone, you know, what are you doing as a Christian? You're going, whoa, time out. Look around the world. I mean, in China, Christianity is exploding. Underground churches, I mean, can you imagine we came to church today, we were worried, man, I'm gonna get arrested for coming to church today. I mean, there's believers around the world are putting their lives on line to go to worship. I mean, we drove in our you know, car with our heat, you know, we were all you know, coming over, but man, they're, they're putting on line. In Iran, and Christianity's exploding. is exploding in Egypt and in different places in the world. I, I remember several years ago, I was in Moscow, and, and I'm standing there with a pastor of a church in Moscow. You know, you're looking at Lenin's tomb, a weird kind of whole deal there in Red Square. You're like, man, there is a spiritual battle here. And you're just standing there. I'm talking to this pastor, and he goes, hey, Pastor Jeff, think about this. He said, Mother Russia, we have more resources than any other country in the world. I mean, more natural resources than anybody, and yet we're one of the poorest countries in the world. Why? He goes, because communism came along and said there's no God. We don't need God. We tried to move God out of our country. He goes, but I want to tell you something. God's at work. And there are believers who are rising up. There are churches that are starting. And he said, we know we're in a tough situation, but our God is greater. And I was just sitting there going, yes. I mean, it's happening around the world, and we have to understand that we're a part of this. We can't get distracted because we have so much in the United States that we go, wait a minute, I want to use what God's entrusted to me to further God's kingdom. Because people need Jesus, right? People want to know about Jesus. I mean, you look at everything else going on in the world, hey, and people are going, wait, where is hope and where is meaning? Where is life? And it's in Jesus. I read an article the other day in USA Today, and it, it says, is Christianity fading, question mark? Teens' thoughts about Jesus give us hope and a challenge. And George Barna did a study. They did a global teen study. So they were looking at 13 to 19-year-olds, teenagers, okay? Gen Z, right? And they surveyed nearly 25,000 teenagers from 26 countries with the intention to listen to what they think about Jesus, the Bible, and making an impact on the world. And these teens were from a diverse, geographic, cultural, and religious backgrounds. So 25 teenagers all over the world, different religious backgrounds, different cultures, and here's what they found. 52% of the teens surveyed are committed Christians. 52%. 70% have a high view of the Bible. 75% are motivated or oriented around causes that make a difference in the world. And if you know anything about this generation coming up, right, they, man, are cause-driven. They want to make a difference. They want to address poverty. They want to address homelessness. They want to make a difference. And so they went on and they said, look at this. People say Christianity, you know, is not growing. No, far from it. They said 68% of these teens want to find a way to follow Jesus that connects with the broader culture they live in. 67% want to help the church keep the priorities of Jesus. 63% said they believe prayer makes a difference. 67% say prayer strengthens my relationship with God. That's the upcoming generation. They're hungry. They're wanting to know. And, you know, I think about that, and I thought, you know, why is that? I think it's COVID. I think that generation grew up and they realized, man, uh, I have a short time here, right? We were all confronted with our own mortality during COVID. We all had to say, what's gonna last and what's not? We all had to say, is there an afterlife? Is there eternity? And I think this generation is coming up. I think they see divisiveness. I think they see anger. And they say, I wanna make a difference. And they know it's Jesus. And so what are we gonna do? Because we're the generations that's leading them. (laughs) How are we gonna lead them? Are we gonna say, hey, just, just focus on money and grades and success? Or are we gonna say, hey, do well, but man, I want you to know Christ. I want you to impact the world. We've got an opportunity. God is at work. The problem is not the harvest, right? The problem is not the harvest, but the workers. And this is our call, right? For Christians all over, for Christ followers all over to say, hey, I wanna be involved in what God's doing. I wanna make a difference that's gonna last. I wanna leave the world a better place than when I found it. I wanna impact the next generation generation. There are very few Christians statistically, right? No, not us, but very few Christians statistically that have ever told anyone about Jesus. And a lot of times, we'll sit back and we just wait. And we're like, I don't know if I should talk about my faith. I mean, I may lose my job. I don't know anybody who's lost their job because of their faith. But, But man, that's a lie of Satan, right? I don't know if I talk about Jesus at school. I mean, how are people gonna respond? How are people gonna react? I don't know if I talk about Jesus in my neighborhood. And and Satan just comes in. The enemy loves that. The enemy loves to put us on the defensive instead of saying, Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the one people want to hear about. So the Apostle Paul writes in Romans. He says, how then can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How awesome is that? You know, when you share the good news, man, you are furthering God's kingdom. How beautiful are the feet? I don't know if you've ever thought your feet are beautiful, right? We <laughs> gotta look at our feet, we're like, oh wow, our feet, right? But he says, no, how beautiful are the feet of the ones who bring good news, who share, who love, who bless, who encourage. Man, you have beautiful feet, church, good job. That's our call right there. See, Jesus sends his disciples out into the harvest field, right, if you go into Matthew chapter 10, he sends out the 12, two by two, and he says, go, don't take anything with you, just go and make a difference, go and love, go and serve, go and give, and he sends them out, and that's what Jesus has done for us. He sends us out in the harvest field. So he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So what we should be asking God for is for God to raise up people to go out and serve, for God to raise us up, for God to use us for his glory. You know, 14 years ago, as a church, we started Justice and Mercy International. And as a church, we said, you know, here we are meeting in a movie theater, but we said, it can't just be about us, so we're gonna do mission trips. And we're going to go to Moldova, and, and we're going to share with orphan children. And so we started building houses, and we have transitional homes for orphans in Moldova. And, and then several years ago, we started going to the Amazon. And we know the Bible tells us, right, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we, the ends of the earth, right, the Amazon jungle. I mean, we're talking villages that have never heard about Jesus. And so we said, how are we going to make a difference? And by God's grace, he he gave us a boat. We've got five full-time staff now. In the Amazon, we have a whole conference center. We started doing pastor's conferences. And as a church, we give and we go and we serve. And these pastors are taking the gospel to villages that have never heard the gospel. And lives are being changed, and it's incredible. So I want you to hear the story this morning from one of our pastors. Watch this.
2: Along the banks of the Amazon, there are thousands of communities who feel abandoned and forgotten. Eighty percent of the state has no gospel presence, but there are hundreds of jungle pastors taking the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. As they follow the call to go, the hardships and trials they face can be overwhelming.
3: 2006, o Senhor me chamou para obra missionária e eu larguei tudo para servir ao Senhor. E nós fomos para um lugar que a gente não conhecia, morar num lugar que tinha dificuldade de água, de alimento, tinha dificuldade de a gente se locomover para evangelizar. 2019, estava assim no meu limite e chegou uma, um, um mensagem para mim de alguém muito especial me convidando. Você não quer ir para uma conferência de pastores em Beirim? E o nome dessa pessoa é Sara Rodrigues. Foi quando eu conheci a JMA na minha vida.
2: Each year, Justice and Mercy Amazon offers jungle pastors conferences for men and women who pastor river churches situated throughout the Amazon.
3: E o primeiro impacto na subida da escada da Terra da Paz. Foi pessoas com sorrisos de quem conhece o que faz, de quem sabe o sofrimento do pastor. Quando é à noite, na janta, uma pessoa chegou por trás de mim e disse assim, você é o pastor Esdras? E ele disse, olha, eu sou o pastor José Bezerra, eu moro em uma aldeia, e o povo lá estão é, abandonado há três anos, sem visita, sem ajuda. E eu convidei os irmãos, que são poucos crentes lá, a fazer uma campanha. Nós fizemos uma campanha de 21 dias de oração. E quando terminou essa campanha de 21 dias, Deus mostrou o Senhor para nós, ainda deu o Seu nome, Esdras. Eu disse, bom, se Deus falou isso, eis-me aqui, envia-me a mim. Mas no meu coração, eu estava dizendo, como pode um negócio desse eu não... Eu vim para desistir, não posso cuidar nem de mim. Dois meses e meio depois, nós fizemos a nossa primeira viagem para a aldeia Babastuba para conhecer o trabalho lá naquele lugar. E Deus colocou isso no nosso coração, a gente passamos a treinar, a ensinar, é, é, fazer esse, é, curso de capacitação para eles. A Seara é grande, mas Deus tem levantado pessoas especiais para fazer o ídolo do Senhor. E quando tudo parece que se fechou, Deus encontra uma porta. né? E Deus abriu a porta através da JMA. né? E eu pude ver um panorama diferente do que Deus tinha para mim. Se eu eu tivesse desistido, se eu tivesse parado, né? como que seria hoje?
2: In July 2022, Pastor Esdras returned to the Jungle Pastors Conference. But this time, he wasn't ready to give up. He was a man on a mission. And this time, he brought 12 others with him, including the chief of the Baba Achuba tribe.
3: Talvez você who participa who ajuda who apoia a JMA, talvez você não tenha percepção Como eles conseguem se conectar com pastores que estão a ponto de desistir, a ponto de parar. É de dar as mãos e dizer, olha, tem alguém que está ao seu lado. Talvez você possa entender hoje o motivo de centenas de pastores ser alcançados por eles. Porque Deus tem um propósito nisso. A gente consegue sentir o amor de vocês por nós. Hoje eu sou uma testemunha viva de que Deus pode fazer através da JMA.
1: Church, God's using you. I mean, God's using you. You're praying, you're giving, you're going, I mean, you're impacting. People in the Amazon jungle. It's incredible. The chief. When the chief came, you know, she came, she brought a translator with her because the Portuguese was a little bit different. And by the end of the week, the translator was like, I, I want to receive this Jesus you talk about. And the translator gives her life to Christ. And, uh, you know, that whole village, there's just joy and peace. And we're able to serve and make a difference. And it's only the Lord, right? And God is working. Listen, as disciples, as disciples of Jesus, we're called to be workers. And, you know, the workers are few. And, and sometimes we go, well, I'm just going to kind of sit back. I, I, be on the sidelines, you know, let other people do it. I mean, there's people who are pastors and there are people who do these things, you know, but but no, God's calling you. God's calling me, and that's our call. I love what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First, for the Jew, right, I love this. I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness says by faith from first to last, just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. And when you and I just go and we share the good news, we love people the way Jesus loves them, lives are changed, lives are changed. You know, as disciples of Jesus, we offer two invitations. Last week, we talked about this. When we inform, we tell two stories, God's story, (laughs) the good news, and our story. This is what God's done in my life. Nobody can argue with that. This is what God's done, the joy, the peace, the hope, This is what God's done in my marriage. This is how God's brought healing into my dating relationships. This is how God's brought healing with my kids. This is what God's doing. We're not perfect, but God's at work. But now, invite, we have two invitations. The first invitation is this, to Jesus, the savior of the world. I mean, we invite people all the time to concerts, sporting events. When we invite somebody to say, I just wanna encourage you to check out Jesus. I wanna give you a Bible. I wanna encourage you here. Uh, last week, you know, we gave out the God's Good News booklets and, and a lady came up after the service and she had about seven in her hand or eight in her hand and, and there's some in the gallery if you wanna pick that up. If you're online, there's a digital version available. But, but she was holding these and she goes, you know, a lot of my extended family, they're not believers and I've been trying to talk to them, I've been praying for them and, and I'm gonna mail one to every one of my family. I'm gonna mail this to them and would you be praying when they receive this, and I just thought, yeah, you know, that's incredible, this opportunity we have. You know, maybe for Christmas, it's, hey, I'm gonna give you a Bible, or hey, I wanna talk to you about Jesus, or having a conversation, or buying the case for Christ, or the case for faith, but, but for us to invite people to Jesus. Second invitation's to church. I mean, this is a great opportunity, right? There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who want to belong before they believe, There's a lot of people who go, I wanna come check this thing out for myself, right? I wanna see if these people are real. I wanna see what God's doing in their lives. And so when you invite people to church, and there's a little invite card today about Christmas, Sounds of Christmas, Christmas Eve services. But what happens, it does every time. People pull up in the parking lot and they're like, wow, these people really like it. They're waving to me, they're smiling, and it's cold, you know, and they're happy. I mean, there's something different, right? They're amazing. The parking team, they're the first People, people see, and then they come in, there's greeters, and there's ushers, and they take their kids back, and their kids love it. Their kids are like, wow, and they come in, they're like, man, I've never heard music like this at church, you know, and it's really cool, I and mean, it's amazing, and, and all of a sudden, then people realize there's something different here, and we go, yeah, it's the Spirit of God. It's what God's doing in our hearts and what God's doing in our lives, and the beautiful part, as a church, we do that together. As a church, we just have the opportunity to invite people for the glory of God, so will you live an intentional life by praying and sharing God's good news. Will we be intentional? You know, let's just don't talk about whatever Netflix series you're watching or whatever sport event and wins and losses and what's happening on social media and those things are fine, but also, please, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about life change. Let's talk about hope. Let's talk about peace. In Galatians it tells us this, "Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest" <laughs> If we do not give up, see, we're planting seeds all the time. We're planting seeds. We're planting seeds of the gospel in our family, extended family, with our friends, people at work, people at school. We're just planting seeds, we're planting seeds, and God's going, Don't give up. A harvest is coming. Don't give up. I know your child. It may seem they're they're wayward, it may seem they're going off, but don't give up. Keep praying, keep believing. I'm with you, I'm for you, and I'm gonna use you in a mighty way for my glory. You know, the name Edward Kimball may not mean a whole lot to you. But he was involved in his church in Boston and he, he started teaching boys, middle school and high school boys. And I'm so thankful for everybody here who teaches in preschool children's students, you're making a difference. And so Edward's teaching there, and he had a he had an 18-year-old kid come to his Sunday school class named Dwight. And Dwight's dad had passed away when, when you know Dwight was four, you know, his mom. Had like seven kids, I mean, and she's bringing them to church, bringing them to church, and, and, and Dwight ends up in his class, and Edward just started praying. And each week, he's teaching his lesson. You know, he's teaching his lesson. And then one day, God just put on his heart and said, go, go see him, go see him. And Dwight was working at a shoe store there in Boston, his uncle's shoe store. And he could tell there was unsettledness in Dwight's heart and life, and so, so he goes to that shoe store, and Edward writes later on, you know, and here he says, I-, I didn't know what was gonna happen. And he said, in fact, I almost turned around. I almost left. Because I didn't know what God was gonna do. And I just thought, oh, this is gonna be weird. It's gonna be awkward. But, but he goes, but I pressed past that and I went in. Here we are in the mid-1800s, you know, and he's going into this shoe store, in Boston. And he went back. He was asking people, where's Dwight? He was in the back. And he goes back there and Dwight's stocking the shelves, getting shoes put in place. And Edward said, I just looked at him and I said, Dwight, I'm so glad you've been coming to church, but but listen, I wanna tell you about Jesus. I wanna tell you that Jesus is is who you're missing in your life and there's hope for your life. God's got a plan and a purpose. And and I know you're struggling, I know it's hard, it's difficult, do you wanna receive Jesus? And Dwight right there said, yes. And so Edward had the opportunity to pray with him in the middle of a shoe store in Boston in the 1800s. That 18 year old kid, Dwight, He thought he would just work at that shoe store for the rest of his life, but God had another plan or purpose. He went on to become Dwight L. Moody, one of the great evangelists that God used to lead hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. He had a joy and a peace and a purpose that impacted this country. Because one guy, Edward Kimball said, I'm gonna push past the fear and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna tell him about Jesus. Guys, this is our time. It's our opportunity. You know, there have been four revivals, four great awakenings that have happened in our country. The first one was in the 17, you know, 40s and 50s right there. In the 1760s, there were pastors like George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, and there was a movement that swept. And people in the congregations and churches started praying for the community and for the nation. And the revival broke out. In the 1800s, there was a second great awakening that happened. Charles Finney, you know, this guy started leading people to Christ who were he was a lawyer, and all these judges up in the Northeast are giving their lives to Christ, and this revival breaks out in our country. And the third one was in the 1850s and 60s. It was led by a guy named Dwight O. Moody. <laughs> the YMCA and all these movements started happening around our country. The fourth great revival happened about the 1960s and 70s and 80s, the Jesus movement that came out of California you know, after Vietnam and all the things that were happening in our country and the fear and the worry and Woodstock and everything, Billy Graham coming on the scene. Church, I believe, I believe we're on the precipice of a great awakening in our nation. I believe that God's doing something big. I believe God's raising up a generation that's seeking the Lord, that God is moving in a mighty way. I believe that God wants to use us coming out of COVID, coming out of a lot of divisiveness, coming out of a lot of fear and a lot of worry. And God is gonna move in a mighty way. And God's saying, church, You be my disciples. You be the ones to go be the hands and feet of Christ. You go, you love, you serve, you give. You make a difference right now because I wanna use you. And we say, but I don't know enough, God. And God's like, no, it's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit working through you. You just be available and you watch me do a mighty work. There are people who need the Lord in your own family, your own friends. There are people who need the Lord in our nation. There are people who need the Lord around the world. And God says, this is our time. Will you be intentional? Will you make a difference? This is our time. This is your time. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I really don't. But God does. And God is sovereign over it all. And God invited you here today to hear from Him. Maybe today is a day of salvation for you. And you go, I've been trying to do it on my own. I'm kind of like Dwight. I, I thought it was just about money or. But out inside, there's been a fear, there's been a worry. God, I need you. Jesus, come into my own heart, my life. Forgive my sins. Redeem me, restore me. Maybe today, you okay, God. It's time for me to get off the sidelines. I'm ready. I don't have all the answers, but God, I'm pushing past the fear. God, use me. God, use me. I want to talk to my kids about Jesus. I want to pray with my spouse. I want to. I want to talk to my roommates. I want to be a leader at church, at school, at my workplace. God, I'm yours. Maybe today there's somebody God's put on your heart. Just like Edward, God put Dwight on his heart, and maybe for you you go, okay, God, open a door. I'm praying about this name right now. I'm praying about this person right now. I'm praying about them, God, right now. I give them to you. So Father, here we are, your disciples today. Don't let us miss it. Don't let us miss it. Don't let us get caught up in the world and, and wins and losses and, and money and social media. God, God, I pray that in this day, we would stand up for you. In this day, we would realize there's a spiritual battle. In this day, God, you would call us to stand up and stand out for the glory of God. So we're your disciples today, Father. We pray you would use us for your glory. We dedicate our lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Wow, church.
0: That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. See you next time.